Hello, hello, hello again, my fact friends and fiends. Welcome back to yet another episode of Let's Talk About the Facts. And it looks like I have no idea when I'm posting my episodes right now. Uh, today with me, I have very good friend and friend of the podcast, Nate Ruger. Hello, hello, hello. And uh, both of us, just like when Shay was on the podcast last episode, have been working on a huge project, and yep. uh, the only thing that can soothe those nerves is Mass Effect right now. Thank you, Legendary Edition. Garrus uh, Vakarian all the way. Yeah, I can't even. Uh, I can't even say no to that. I'm. <laughs> that's my A squad right there. Uh, anyway, so we apologize, me and myself, for lacking on episodes for you all. <laughs> The, uh, the will is there, but the emotions weren't. And so today we are actually bringing you an episode that Nate has been working on and told me that is the greatest Willy Wonka shenanigan <laughs> that I have yet to have heard. And I am so excited. So basically, I'm going to have to hand over the reins and you're going to hear me go a little bananas over this one. So, Nate, what are we hearing today? Uh, we have a, uh, a treat for you today. Oh. Eh, 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 eh. You're going to find out why that's a pun. Um, so, uh, this, this case came to me uh, because the two of us were talking while we were on our project. Just uh, And I was talking about how much I love the podcast and all of these unsolved cases. And, uh, and she was talking about, you know, later ideas for future episodes that will be very exciting uh, that I cannot repeat here. And uh, one of the uh, cases she brought up, uh, I reminded me of, in case you do not know this, from perhaps you do or do not know me on the Twitters, I'm a weeb. I like the animes. And uh, there was this one season of Ghost in the Shell, second G.I.G., which, as much as I love anime, that is the bizarrest name (laughs) for a show. Um... Uh, I remember thinking, this is a really fascinating season of TV, uh, and just started looking it up, and in doing so, it said, oh, it's it's an inspired by the Glycomorinaga case. And I looked into that, and it is the most, as you were saying, bonkers, Willy Wonka, just like, it is a ride. It, like, you need to buckle up and have family to get through this fast and furious ride to, in order to, like, it, it is, it takes all the twists and turns that you do not expect, uh, like your average quote-unquote, American um, unsolved uh, case. So, well, uh, I've got the dog and stand in you here. Do I have enough to make it through this story? You should have just enough. But uh, if you're driving, buckle up. And if you're at home, I don't know, find a buckle anyway and buckle up because this this will be a ride. I'm excited. So uh, I, you have always done an amazing job of, like, setting the tone in terms of our... <laughs> And so I, I wrote down some little ideas. This this case starts in 1984, and so I want to. Uh, and I admit it takes place in Japan, and I am uh, have a very United States idea of what 1984 feels like. So, uh, perspective and Western bias admitted. Uh, so in 19, uh, in 1984, uh, that was the year that the Apple Macintosh went on sale. Stop it. Uh, Reagan uh, ran for re-election and won. Uh, Disappointment. For- and uh, he ran on a campaign talking about 
uh, a space station, and uh, and that was later the Star Wars uh, plan. Uh, Terms of Endearment won the Oscar for Best Picture. Uh, uh, AIDS was discovered in America. Uh, uh, according to Reagan, it wasn't, but okay. Yeah, uh, according to U.S. researchers, it existed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Boo. Um, yeah. Uh, Born in the USA and Purple Rain were both released. Purple Rain! <laughs> and, and get this, uh, Ghostbusters and Gremlins were both re- went out in theaters on the same day in the summer. Oh my god. And then that fall, Terminator came out. Oh my god, one of my favorite movies of all time. And, and these last two factoids just feel like 1984 in two factoids. The crack epidemic started in Los Angeles. Holy shit. And the first minivans came out. Oh my god. That's 1984 and, and two little facts of just like the dichotomy that was America in 1984. You know what's always thrown me off? And you know what? I'll take the hate. If we had minivans, where were the maxi vans? This is me restraining myself from smick smacking. Oh gosh. Maxi vans? Yeah. What would a maxi van look like? I know this is a tangent. What's a maxi van? In your head, describe it. I'm not sure, but why did we have to call it minivan? Why couldn't we just call it a van? Like, because it's it's small. Is it what, what was it smaller than? The terrifying white van you see in all of the unsolved murders, crimes that you think has children in it. it it's it, they do have children in them, but they're hopefully that parent's children. That's a minivan. I'm just gonna. Th- <laughs> oh God damn! Yeah, you know. Oh my God! So tangent. I'm sorry. Um, there is a whole ass show called Man with a Van, and it's all about crimes about men with vans. And the fact that they had the content, of course they had the content, but to make this show thrilling, terrifying, hate it, watch the whole season. Wow. It was awesome. It's on Hulu as far as I know, as of this recording. Please watch it. Support that show because I want to know about more crimes of men with vans, and I think it should be illegal that a man owns a van right now. Agreed. So, uh, not a minivan. A van. So back to the, the era of minivans and, and their, their, their start. Uh, 1984. What we're talking about is the Glyco Morinaga case. Yes. What is the Glyco Morinaga case? I am here to tell you. Also known by its official designated Metropolitan Designated Case 114, was a famous extortion case from 1984 to 1985 in Japan, primarily directed at the Japanese industrial confectionaries Izaki Glyco and Morinaga basically two of the biggest uh candy manufacturers like in, in a making a, a western american it's it's almost like uh the nestle of japan at the time oh uh so uh, the entire case spanned 17 months from the initial kidnapping of the president of glyco to the last known communication from the prime suspect a person or group they still don't know, known as the monster with 21 faces. Like, imagine having a unsolved kidnapping case going on for 17 months uh, where you kidnapped the president of Nestle and you got away with it. I'm going to throw down that Japan is smaller than the U.S. True. And if the president of Nestle was kidnapped, I don't think I would care about it. Yeah, right now, like... Not a chance. No, it's just like, oh, that, it, it's a Tuesday? That's what's happening? Okay, fine, whatever. Are, are there it, still UFOs? Fine, if whatever. It, if it were 1984 and I wasn't a disillusioned millennial, I think, and I were younger, I was not alive in 1984, 
quite yet um soon this is be before elizabeth um i (laughs) think i would give tons of shits because that is like kidnapping willy fucking wonka and yes the gene wilder one the supreme wonka if you will and um that would honestly be on my tv 24 7 tell me more I'm, I'm gonna tell you more and so i just want like in your mind you're like oh so they they kidnapped this guy and maybe it went wrong and they never caught the guy and the police bungled it like no no that's that is the tip of the iceberg so uh but i don't th- did the police bungle it though because japanese will, police we will find out japanese police have been like compared to american police and y'all can look up the statistics i i'm sorry i did i don't have statistics yeah but statistics are i mean mm. But they're much better at their caseload than American police. Yeah, they're, like, famously good at solving cases. Yes, yeah. Uh, So, the kidnapping. It's March 18, 1984. Uh, It's 9 p.m., and two masked men armed with a pistol and a rifle, which I believe you could not really uh, get in Japan at the time. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna agree with you only because I don't know any different and sound and I would be thrilled about that. Please yeah. please don't have rifles. Yeah, uh, uh, they use a key stolen from the home next door. So like th- this is like some next level casing stuff where it's not like he left the door unlocked. They no. went to his trusted neighbor and friend, got the key and was like, which All they right. probably this is just me uh, editorializing. They probably cased the joint, saw like uh, long enough to see the neighbor having like the key under the mat as Izaki uh, Glico, um, uh, as the Izaki Glico president's home. And just, oh, okay, that's where the extra key is. It's not under their potted plant. It's under the neighbor's doormat. Like, that is that is how much work went into this kidnapping. Oh, my God. So uh, the home next door belonged to... Um, sorry, uh, the Izaki Glico president's name is Katsushisa Izaki. Apologies if I am... My Japanese is not up to snuff. Um, the home next door belonged to Katsushisha's 70-year-old mother, Yoshi, and was located on... Wait, the... how old was she? 70 years old. I heard seven, and I was like, oh my god! No, no. Uh, d- that's another creepy story of, like, you have a neighbor that is one seven-year-old child. That's <laughs> a whole different story. We're not going that's, in that direction. That's a different grudge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, was located on the same property, uh, surrounded by a brick wall. The criminals had broken into her home and tied her up with a cut telephone line. Um, no. I already yep. hate this. I already hate it. Uh, well, well, this is a journey of emotions as well. So I, I found myself, like, this part terrified me. And then later on, I found myself rooting for the criminals. We'll get there. We'll get I there. know, but, like, my thing is, where where's the film so far? Okay, uh, so they retrieved the key to her son's home, which had security system installed. Having entered the home of Katsushisha Izaki, the president of Izaki Glico, uh, the, uh, the the big confectionery company. Willy Wonka. Yes. <laughs> Two masked men tied up his wife. Okay, I'm not going to say this right. Uh, Mikiko. Uh, Mariko? I... Oh, wait, no, that's the daughter. Oh, Mikiko? Yeah. Uh, and uh, 35 years old, uh, his wife, and his eldest daughter, Mariko, seven years old. Those are such cute names. Yeah. Uh, Mikiko offered, uh, the men money and one of them responded. This is where this whole thing threw me. Be quiet. Money is irrelevant. What? They're here for the candy. Like like imagine in America kidnapping one of the, like 
richest millionaires. Maybe you're not going for Bezos, but like one of the richest uh, millionaires. And they're saying, I will offer you all of the riches. I will cut you a check wire for, you know, enough to set you and your family off for life and generational wealth and saying, be quiet. Money is irrelevant. Okay, hot take. But what if they did kidnap Bezos and said that to him? That would be the best answer. I mean, if you're saying, where's the movie? There's the mo- oh, like, there's the movie. Like, I'm, just, I'm eating popcorn. I'm like, what the fuck is this about? Oh my God, you say that to Bezos? Like, money is irrelevant. It's because you have no <sighs> hair. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. So, uh, uh, the criminals, uh, two, uh, two men, after cutting some telephone uh, lines, the two masked men located Katsushisha Izaki, who is bathing with his two other children, Yukiko, four years old, and Etsuro, 11 years old. Okay, that's got to be, like, cultural, because for me, I'm like, huh. Okay. I, I believe it is. I'm just going to walk on by that one. Okay. Uh, Katsushisa Izaki was abducted naked from his home and taken to a warehouse in Ibaraki, Osaka. Oh, my God. In Osaka. Uh, Remember that, folks. As we get later on, uh, he was taken to a warehouse in Osaka. But they just grabbed him right up out the bathtub. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Entirely naked. And uh, what's stopping him from, like, running, like, you know, a a wet, crazy, naked guy is that he's... uh, They cut telephone lines and wrapped him up, and that's how they kind of hogtied him, is telephone lines. But that's genius, because then they can't call. Right. Yeah. Oh, and this is why I was trying to, like, set the stage for 1984. Yeah, there's no cell phone. The first personal computer Macintosh was being sold that year in the United States. And so there's no cell phones, there's no GPS. At the very best, you you have a landline or you run down the street to a payphone and then maybe a police officer on the beat has a beeper that tells him to go to an address or tells him to call someone who then tells him to go to an address. Or they have that's, a walkie-talkie. Right, and that's so many steps to go to a robbery in process. Like, you're not getting uh, something on, like, a um, you know, a, uh, your, your dash telling you, hey, hey go and then you enter your one. GPS and yeah. then you get there. No, you don't, you don't have that. Um, so uh, now we enter the stage of the blackmailing. Oh, my God. Oh, wait, wait, no, no, sorry. I I jumped a step. Sorry. Step back. Uh, The next morning, uh, the criminals called the director of the company uh, of Glycomori Naga in Takatsuki City, and they issued a ransom demand for 1 billion yen. Uh, This is uh, the U.S. equivalent of 4.2 million 1984 dollars. Jesus, potatoes. Yeah. Should we figure out how much that is today? We could, I but here's the thing that just throws it out, out of the water is on top of that 100 kilograms in gold bullion. What the fuck? Like this is entering like James Bond Goldfinger territory of just like you can whatever exchange rates you want, like 100 kilograms in gold bullion. That's going to set you for life. You're good. Um, here's the crazy thing, though. Three days later, like, this is something that that could be the case of, you know, the century. Mm-hmm. Three days later, Izaki escaped Osaka, uh, his, the warehouse. Oh, oh. and, uh, and you just looked up how yeah. much, uh, that is. I had is. to know how much 4.2 million of American dollars that would be. And in today's money of 2021, that's $10 million, 982,898, and... 94 cents. 
that practically the, 11 million damn. yeah the rate of inflation is 161.5 percent goodness gracious like and then you add 100 kilograms in in gold on top of that jesus motherfucking bananas and like the fact that they i i'm i'm willing to go that they believed that this corporation could make that payout I just, I don't know who keeps gold bullion on handle. And also, every time I hear that... Crazy rich people. I think of chicken bullion, and I'm like, what kind of soup are they making? My uh, my grandfather, uh, one of the things that I think he gave me uh, for, like, I, that I, I got uh, when he passed was a, a Krugerrand, which was, like, a gold coin. Um, I, I forget what country it's from, um, but it, it was... Sounds German? He was either, either German or maybe even South African. I feel bad that I'm not knowing it off the top of my head. Sorry, folks. But um, uh, the idea being that he was he was very much a man of business who like watched the stock market like a hawk every single day. You were right about South, South Africa. Africa. Wow. Uh, and, and just that like money will change, stock markets will change, but gold will always be worth something. And it, that was like something for, that he wanted to pass on to me to like keep in mind that like keep your eye on gold gold will always work really interesting though it's the most frequently traded gold coin in the world market and so i think that's that's that is something that i definitely noticed of this era that people kind of had this idea of like this the market could go up or down at any moment so you gotta keep gold on you so i i feel like that was a that that is something that these uh these criminals um thought that these insanely rich executives may have in a warehouse somewhere as they had uh the izaki glygo president in a warehouse somewhere and he escaped uh, he did not escape naked that would make a great movie moment but uh he was wearing clothes that the uh the criminals gave him man yeah and he he escaped running down alleys and he found two i think telephone workers who uh were able to like who were probably working on his <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 just like man, there's all of these wires that have been cut all over the city. What am I supposed to do? We need to lay out some more telephone wires. Like, hey, hey, I'm surrounded by, I'm covered in telephone wires. Oh, that's the reason why. Okay, it's you. Yeah, who cut all these wires? Okay, so you'd think that would be the end of it, and maybe the police are like going to try and figure out who who these guys are who kidnapped this. You know, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna fucking try. And uh. And so that was uh, March 21st. And so about two weeks later, uh, the police received a letter from the Monster with 21 Faces on April 8th. Uh, and here's the English translation. To Japanese police fools. <laughs> sorry. Okay, keep going. Are you stupid? <laughs> That's, that is a hell of an opening. That is a hell of an opening. It's like I wrote it. Could you imagine that being like your opening to like uh, negotiations with an interview or something? Or like, could you imagine to like your college professor? Yeah. yeah. Uh, dear Dr. Police, you fool! <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Police, I gave you all the clues. Mi- <laughs> Mr. Police, you're dumb. You That's pretty su- much. You're supposed to figure this out, goddammit. I, I know. Uh, if, if any of you fans follow uh, on the socials, I would love to see your Dear Mr. Police fan art. Of what I'm about to read you. To Japanese police fools, are you stupid? There's so many of you, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> if you are real pros trying to catch me, there's too much handicap, so I will give you a hint. <laughs> there are no fellows in the Izaki's relatives, 
There are no fellows in Nishinomiya Police. There's no fellows in Flood Fighting Corps. I, uh, and I, and uh, taking a step back out of this quote, uh, in the, the past two weeks, there was a media whirlwind around this case wondering, is this an inside job? Is this like some crazy bonkers way for everyone to talk about Glyco Morinaga to then buy more of their candy? Or just Glyco, because Morinaga is a separate company. Oh, yes, yeah, we haven't even got to the Morinaga uh, company yet. You're right. Yeah, is this just a way for Glyco to kind of suddenly shoot up uh, like a little some some stock market like, points oh, to, we to show this? Our president. <laughs> and he got away so heroically. Shouldn't you buy more of our candy? And and so that's what they're, they're they've been paying attention to the media and saying here are all of the conspiracy theories that we hear out there, and they're all wrong. Everyone that it's not an inside job with the company, it's not an inside job with the police, and I'm not quite sure what the flood fighting corps is. Um, because it's not 1984 anymore, and we're American, and I'm going to own up to the fact that I'm stupid. I didn't look that up. Uh, and and now they 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 give hints to the police. Uh, the car I used is gray. No. <laughs> Food was bought at Daye, which is a, uh, and if you want new info, beg for it in the newspaper. After telling you all this, after telling you all this, you should be able to catch me. If you don't, you are tax thieves. <laughs> Shall I kidnap the head director of the prefectural police? Oh my God. I, I love them. I love them. And uh, to give you some sense of, um, uh, you, I'm asking you uh, if you know this off the top of your head, uh, Zodiac, what year was Zodiac? When, when did those letters to San Francisco start? Oh, it was in the 80s, wasn't it? So, like, that's in the cultural zeitgeist of, like, criminals sending letters to the, that they want to have published in the newspaper so that everyone, so that they become these kind of, like, media sensations oh, i'm so sorry it was in the 60s in the 60s so that that's still yeah. like in the cultural memory of, that's living memory yeah of, it's in living memory of criminals becoming as as much of a headline as rock stars and movie stars yeah and uh so as you can imagine this did not look very well for the police. The fact that they were being laughed at by these criminals. Especially because they, they're not like our police where we make fun of them all the time because yeah. they're a bumbling band of baboons. Yeah, this is this is like the one case that is at a national level that the police are, are not handling. Like every other case in Japan at the time, they're just like knocking out of the park, finding the bad guys, putting them in jail. And so this is just like a huge embarrassment. And so then they get this letter that calls them out that they're mm -hmm. like, oh, you're tax thieves. And and so here's the thing that, like, obviously there were probably, like, some, uh, you know, constables that were being told, like, find the car, find uh, the, the exact place where they were. And all of the – they were able to, like, look into these things and, and try and talk to uh, the guy who was kidnapped, the president of uh, Glyco. Um, but he never got a solid look. Neither did his family because they were just like average men, average build. They were controlling their voices very carefully and they wore masks and there's just like nothing. They didn't see a scar. They didn't see any yeah. like, signifying things to them. They were chosen carefully to pull this one off. And, uh, and the, the clues that were in there of the car that was used and uh, a gray car, like a gray car. Yeah. That hardly narrows it down. Let me tell you how many gray cars are driven and saying the food was bought at Daya is like saying the food was bought at Ralph's like that, or Walmart. It just like, that doesn't narrow down any of that's like every street corner. 
Yeah. Uh, so it it makes them look like fools while at, without actually giving them real actionable hints. Oh, of course. And that makes them even like, hey, we told you what we did. Uh, so uh, that was the first of many letters. And we're going to go through them. Uh, the extortion attempts against Glyco did not end with Izaki's escape or this letter. On April 10, that's two days after they got this letter, uh, vehicles in the parking lot of the Izaki Glyco uh, headquarters uh, trial production building, uh, basically where they were uh, manufacturing a lot of the candy, uh, were set on fire. So Classic. they received this letter saying, you fools, I bet you can't catch us. Two days later, thing, things... Things were literally going up in flames at Glyco. I mean, what a metaphor. Uh, and then, just six days after that, April 16, a plastic container containing hydrochloric acid and another threatening letter were found in Ibaraki, Osaka. This uh, is incredible. It, it keeps going. Um, and so th this is the part that really hit Glyco hardest. On May 10th, which is about um, that's a, a month after those uh, cars were set on fire, in the, in the Glyco headquarters parking lot. Glyco started to receive letters from a person calling itself the Monster with 21 Faces, the same people who sent the first letter. Uh, named after... And, and that's actually... It's not something that they made up. They didn't just, like, come up with a cool band name, like Strawberry Alarm Clock. Like, that, it's a specific reference to a series of detective novels called The Mystery Man with 21 Faces. Like, the, uh, the, the Japanese words for both the monster and the man, mystery man with 21 faces can be translated the same way. So like with uh so it's very much a reference to this detective novel of a a, a villain who was never able to really get caught. Mhm. Mm uh, or band of villains. Correct. Um the uh the the so this group or person claimed to have laced glyco candies with a potassium cyanide soda. And in terms of uh setting things in uh in terms of like the time frame and the living memory in Chicago in 1982. Uh, this was a case that you had on your. Uh, um... Or I think I briefly mentioned that. Yes. Chicago Tylenol. Yes, and so there, there was. And was this one ever solved? Did they ever catch the nope. guy? Nope. There was but someone. That's nope, please go they, for it. Um, I think I only briefly mentioned it because we talked about security theater, and how we now have like the ceiling on everything, even though there's still a way to tamper like things but it's just basically to make us feel safer even though it doesn't actually make us safer because there's still ways to do it yep and so uh this this case uh in in 1982 in chicago uh was just some crazy person uh decided to take tylenol pills off the shelves and replace them with poison because mm -hmm. you used to be able to open the bottle and there was the pills, they were right there. You could literally just take time on in the middle of Walmart. And uh, and so this, that created definitely a scare in Chicago where people just stopped buying Tylenol, stopped buying pills. And I think it was across the country. Across the country, wow. Yeah, no, it was a national scare. So that was a national scare in America in 1982. Two years later, May 10 in Japan, uh, Glyco started receiving letters from uh, the mystery man, uh, with 21 faces or or the phantom or the monster with 21 mm -hmm. faces saying that their candies had been laced with cyanide uh when glyco pulled its products off the shelves at great expense resulting in a loss in more than 21 million dollars of 1984 dot money and 
this this is what hurts me more than you know money is they laid off 450 part-time workers in their mind to pay for this uh huge expense and then today's money that is 54 million dollars goodness gracious actually almost just 55 million dollars i know money doesn't matter but what i'm mad about is how many people lost their jobs yeah yeah, that that's that that is the livelihoods of 450 people um and so uh the monster with 21 faces threatened to place the tampered products in stores Following these threats, a man wearing a Yomiuri Giants baseball cap was caught placing glyco chocolate on a store shelf by a security camera. A security camera photo was made public after this incident. And um, I watched uh, the uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, we were so upset that they covered this case, but then we were like... Because we were planning to to record, and then two hours right before, um, they published theirs, and we were like... Oh, really? But then again, we're actually telling a different part of the story. Yes. So now we're not mad. But <laughs> of course, they picked the same obscure case that we did. One <clears throat> one point that I wanted to bring up that they brought up that, that I thought was some, some good reporting on their, their end was that uh, this person, you think, oh, done case. You got him on camera. You've got footage. You red-handed. It, this was on 1984 crappy security camera VHS. There, there's no click it a click it a click it enhance, <laughs> spin the background kind of thing. Things that don't really work. No, like that footage, it was so terrible and it was apparently recorded on a uh, VHS tape that they had been using over and over and over again since the year before degrading the magnetic tape. Yep. So it just looked like a handful of just like fuzz bombs fuzz bombs for a face like i think that looks like a man's face Honestly, like that's all they could get from that image it could have been a woman cuz it should exactly they had permed hair mm that's the, when they were like it looks like a man with permed hair it was like looks like a woman with shoulder pads yeah yeah and so that even that wasn't uh, a help and uh in in this the, the, there are actually two stages to this um at first, they said that they would have twenty boxes mm-hmm. across the country that would, uh, and they would. They actually wrote on it, contain cyanide, um, which is interesting because that's what the Tylenol, right, had. That's it, it. wasn't arsenic. It was cyanide that was in the capsules. And and then later they they threatened that we're going to put thirty boxes out there of glyco that is has cyanide in it, and we're not going to warn you this time. And if, that's when I think they they pulled. They pulled all that. They pulled all that, and um, I think, uh, yeah, and that led to the 21 million, or sorry. 55 55 million, million in um, 2021 dollars. Jesus and, Christ. Um, Just a lot of waste. Yeah. And um, so uh, while all this is going on, they're sending letters to the media, to all newspapers around the country, taunting uh, the police. And, and one of the excerpts from uh, one of these letters was written in Hiragana, Remember, folks, in an Osaka dialect. Ooh. So th- this is one of the only really solid clues that they were able to get. And if you remember, when they kidnapped uh, the president of Glyco, he was taken to a warehouse in Osaka. So th- they're starting to be like, okay, maybe these folks live in Osaka. Mm-hmm. They're starting to make that connection. But here, here's the, uh, the letter. And, and perfect, same style. Dear dumb police officers, <laughs> don't tell a lie. All crimes begin with a lie, as we say in Japan. 
Don't you know that? And that's it. They, they just, like, basically just slapping the police yes. in the face on the front page. That is just the backhand of a mom just saying, don't you lie? <laughs> Uh, and here's another letter sent by the Monster of 21 Faces uh, that was received uh, April 23rd. So uh, this was actually like leading up to uh, mm-hmm. the the poisoning that they were attempting. So this is just like maybe two weeks before they started poisoning uh, Glyco products in stores. Uh, to police few, excuse me, to police fools, you shouldn't lie. If you lie, you steal. I also sent this to the Cochin police. Why are you lying? Don't hide things. Why are you complaining? You guys are having such a hard time, so I will give you a hint. Taking a step out of the quotes. Again, they're giving the police hints, and they're publishing these letters or sending them to all the major newspapers. So they're just so like, you know that they're just doing the crime theater that we love here in America. Yep, they're just dunking on the police week after week on the front news uh, of all their newspapers. Back in... Uh, I entered the factory from the side staff entrance. The typewriter we used is a pan writer. The plastic container used was a piece of street garbage. Monster with 21 faces. Dun, dun, dun! And in case you're like, oh, what about the, uh, the, the, the pan writer? That is one of the most easily accessible uh, typewriters you could get at that time in Japan. And it's, they didn't, it's, yeah, it's they, like saying uh, we bought all our food at Daiye. It, it does not help at all. It's like, and also, they didn't say that the uh, typewriter was the one that they used inside the building. They just said we typed on a pan writer. Which one? We don't, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. Uh, eventually, they stopped contacting Glyco on June 26. So th- this has been like a whirlwind from like, the beginning of March to the end of June, just like the entire spring, and they sent a letter saying, we forgive Glyco. Very cryptic. What did we Glyco do? We, we don't know what they did wrong. Or right. Or right that made them forgive them. Um, however, this is the point at which they turned from Glyco and started to extort uh, basically the competitor company, uh, Morinaga, and the food companies Moradai Ham and House Foods Corporation, which I recognize from uh, stuff that I buy at the grocery store every day. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we uh, focus more on Morinaga because they really got it. Because the, yes. the Marudai Han and the House Foods, I don't remember them getting it as much. Not as much. This is why it's called the Glyco Morinaga case, yeah. not the Glyco Morinaga in Marudai and House Foods. Um, because they're, yeah. They're, they're I bet you they're just connected to Morinaga. Probably. Just yeah, yeah, like yeah. how like beauty companies are owned by like one of three, but they're yes. like, oh, but this yes. one's better. Um, it's still owned by. Mm-hmm. Okay, so most folks in Japan think that this is over. I mean, the police are still looking for uh, the folks responsible, but for the summer, nothing happens. And I think everyone's every- on vacation. Everyone's on vacation. Everyone's having Even a good time. Even the monster twenty one faces, they had to take twenty one breaks. And so uh, they returned from their summer vacation, living their best summer lives. Uh, and it, it was hot monster summer. It was hot monster summer, apparently. Um, wishing all of you listening in now that you have your hot monster summer right now. Please do your best monster life. Um, and so November, uh, November 1st, 1984, a threatening letter from Monster 21 Faces goes to the Tokyo home of Morinaga Dairy Vice President Mitsuo Yamada, on November 1st, 1984. Like it. They really like to start out the month strong. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
rent's due. Time to monster it up. Time to extort. Yep. They got bills to pay. Uh, so this is one one letter in a long line of extortion and harassment letters sent to various Japanese food companies by Monster of 21 Faces. So this is how this letter goes uh, to the vice president of uh, the Morinaka company. To president, you saw our power, didn't you? If you disobey us, we will destroy your company. You will get killed. Decide whether you want to give us money or do you want to see your company destroyed? Tell us in the Mainichi newspaper on either the 5th or 6th of November. Use the missing persons. Use the words in the reply, Jiro, Morinaga, mother, police, bad friend, money, meal. As we said before, we want 200 million yen. And let me just double check my notes to see how much that is compared to... Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, it, it's it's two hundred. Quick calculation. Doing some here? quick calculations. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Two hundred million. So it is a lot less than they asked for. Uh, it's about a fifth of what they asked for. So it's equivalent of roughly. I'm doing back in the napkin math, of about a, a million dollars of present day money. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're probably like, uh, yes, we will pay. But like, they're basically saying, round up a million dollars in cash and... Slap it to us. And, and get it to us and tell us how and where we can get it in the missing pages. And uh, you have four or five days to figure this out. Now. Go. Uh, and then uh, November 6, 1984, which is the day they were saying, you got to give us this money by... Morinaga responded to the criminals by placing missing, a missing persons advertisement in the, in the paper. Dear Jiro, bad friend disappeared. Come back. Warm meal is waiting. Mother Chiyoko. I think they used all the words. Yeah. Or at least most of them. Oh, they forgot police. They forgot police. Yeah. And then two letters were sent to House Foods, uh, another company, on November 7, 1984. Uh, also on November 7, uh, Morinaga and company whose food products had been poisoned by the criminal gang, was forced to reduce its current production by 90%. So they went on to do the exact same thing that they had done to Glyco. Yeah. And so could you imagine, like, reducing its current production by 90%, could you imagine going to, like, any 7-Eleven or convenience store and you can't find a Nestle Crunch, you can't find Snickers, you can't find... Or imagine, like, the only thing they have is the rotating hot dog. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's That's it. it. No, no, like you and cannot like a, buy sweets. Like because... a diet caffeine-free Coke. This is one of those things where it's like, I'm I'm currently at this part of the story into the yeah, stick it to the man, stick it to these like you know eat the rich kind of vibe. But then there's also like, but the rich have all my candy bars and I want candy. <laughs> but the rich are like destroying your health. True. True. Good. Yes. This is why I want candy bars because the rich made me want candy bars. Oh. I'm over here, like, what? joining up with the 21 Gal- Faces. Galaxy Brain. Galaxy Brain. Yeah, I'm over here, like, I'm doing 21 Faces of Makeup. Everyone's uh, looking hot when we're going out. So, they may have forgiven uh, Glyco, but they are continuing to send dozens of harassing letters to Morinaga and then to these other companies. And uh, this is where the, the next turn in the case happens. Uh, which is uh, known as the Fox-Eyed Man, if you're looking for like uh, developments in this case online. So this is the 
only suspect that they got to, I think. Yes. Uh, and uh, and it and this does just sound like. I'll, I'll get to it. Uh, police did get close to a suspected mastermind of the monster with the twenty-one faces on twenty-eight June. This is uh, two days after agreeing to stop harassing Marudai in exchange for fifty million yen, two hundred ten thousand dollars in nineteen eighty-four uh, money. Okay, let's find out. Two hundred and ten thousand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when they had asked for that money, uh, the monster arranged for a Marudai employee to toss the ransom money onto a local train heading toward Kyoto when a white flag was displayed. Wow, that's a lot of money. It's, uh, just over half a million. That's not bad. That's nothing. Okay, they wanted him to throw it over a moving train? Yeah, so this is, like, very complicated. And and it makes sense of, like, how... But, like, how, how could you possibly get tailed by police if... What they're specifically asking is that they have to toss the ransom money, about five hundred million dollars in present day money. Wait, five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand. Sorry, I would like five hundred million if you've got it lying around. You in know, a suitcase. if anyone yeah. wants to donate to the Please, podcast, Patreon, Patreon. Uh, so tossing the ransom money onto a local train heading toward Kyoto when a white flag was displayed. So this means someone from uh, Marudai Food Company has to basically be watching this train waiting to see a white flag and then throwing the briefcase and then walking away. I need this in a film. Somebody please make this movie. Here's the thing, though. They were told that it has to be someone from Marudai, but it was a police investigator disguised in plain clothes as a Marudai employee uh, went to the drop to do this. Man, they should have been specific. They should have been yep. like, it's, I don't know, Ichio from accounting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... This investigator spotted a suspicious man observing him when he was riding the train to the drop point. And uh, this is where, like, you think, oh, uh, this police investigator who's put on this very important undercover thing, what did he look like? Was he th- this tall? Was he this? And he's like, he, he, he looked like a fox. Like, that, that was your takeaway. That's it? But. You're trained, allegedly. So, um. Granted, I can't tell people's heights. True. Yeah. But I could uh, be like, uh, yeah, he had shifty eyes. He looked like, I don't know, some messed up Quentin Tarantino, which is impressive. And like, you know. It's very possible, though, that um, uh, especially with all the media sensation running around this, that that, uh, there was a pretty decent description. And they just ran with fox-eyed. Like, his eyes were kind of fox-eyed. They went, that's it. That's we're going with. Everyone, keep a lookout for the fox-eyed man. Also, that does mean shifty eyes. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does mean, like, super dishonest. With, like, uh, every time I hear Shifty, I imagine The Simpsons, when they're just like, well, how do we know that the dog is in on it? Well, then we zoom in on his face, and he's got Shifty eyes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's exactly what happened yeah, here. Yeah, So you, you had that music sting while the police investigator's looking across the way at the suspicious guy and going, he had Shifty eyes. It's him. Or oh. maybe it's like the Mr. F from, uh... Arrested Development. Mm, yeah. Yes. Uh, so this was a uh, this suspicious guy was large, well built, wearing sunglasses and uh, haircut short and permed, kind of like the video guy. So it was totally a woman shoulder pads. Yep, woman shoulder pads. So uh, there was no white flag that got displayed. This undercover policeman uh, uh, and the fox-eyed man both disembarked at the same time from the train at Kyoto Station. While the investigator waited on a bench to see 
a white flag or tail this fox-eyed man guy. Um, and uh, the investigator later headed back to Osaka, and the fox-eyed man boarded another car in the same train. So I think this was like some French connection, like jumping on and off the train type yes. thing, trying to wait for the doors to close. I love that movie. Uh, when the investigator then disembarked at uh, Takatsuki Station, the fox-eyed man boarded a Kyoto-bound train, and another undercover investigator tailed him from Kyoto, but the fox-eyed man eventually lost him. So it, it like, uh, or, oh gosh, the Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. But like, it, it was a Departed? chase. Yeah, The Departed. He did depart the train. He did depart the train. What? Just in terms of like, this was like a crazy foot chase across uh, trains through different cities, people on walkies, trying to like, he's on this train, he's getting off at this station, and they still lost him. Man, if it were an American cop, he would have been walked up and said, sup, let's have a chat. So they got that close to getting someone, and they lost him, but then... Uh, November 14, right when uh, house food was getting uh, extorted for 100 million yen, $410,000 of U.S. money at the same time. Um, Let's see. I bet you that brings it over a mil. Ooh, yep, a mil and 72,000. So asking for... So this Monster 21 Faces is like hitting up every rich but food company. But they're not taking the money. But they're not taking the money. Because like... It, I, and I, I keep going to like all these crime movies in my head like uh, in the movie Heat uh, Robert De Niro's character has that line like you know when you feel the heat is on you you have to be able to drop your entire life in a second yeah. if the heat's coming around the corner I think that's the line something yeah. like that and this guy's living up to that like in Heat they had some moments you're just like eh they should, they should go they should just drop everything and go they should, they should go but we wanted a cool shootout anywho so I'm seeing in all of these things like Heat there are times when the drop is being set up and then they don't go or they don't ask for the money because they know they're going to get tailed, which is just like, you, you got to respect the game on that I'm to really, some degree. Yeah, no, I'm, res I'm respecting the moves because you remember at the very beginning? Yes. It's not about the money. So what is it about? I think it's about the shakeup. Maybe. Goodness. They're just like... It just kicking up shit to like make everyone in the country going, what's what's on with these super rich food companies? What are they? Let's talk. What about are they it. doing? What what did they do to get all these people mad at them? Mm-hmm. So uh, so the fox-eyed man returns again because there's a secret deal going on with the monster of twenty one faces, uh, and which food company was this? Uh, this one was with the House Food Corporation, and uh, so they're at a rest stop at the. Maishin Expressway near Otsu, and investigators saw the fox-eyed man wearing a golf cap and dark glasses, but again... How'd they know it was him? He evaded capture. But how'd they know it was him if he had glasses on? I think he, he fit the build. Like, I, I remember um, uh, on some other research that... Uh, I, I forget if I'm gonna... If I'm jumping ahead, that they did... The original investigator who spotted the fox-eyed man may have not uh, given a great verbal description, but when you had a um, a sketch artist work with him uh, that was widely distributed and showed and had a very good, like, specific look for this person that I think um, people were able to, like, start to say, I think I saw this guy. I'm just going to throw down, if you're going to call him the fox-eyed man, and you're going to see him with the glasses on... Yeah. 
It's really hard for me to buy that you found him. Mm-hmm. Especially that they're... I mean, props Unless to he, him. Unless he, like, dropped his glasses and, like, looked over them all shifty. If he's getting the day's newspaper and thinking, like, look at me, um, one o- putting one over on yet another food company that has way too much money on their hands. And, and then you see a picture of yourself and everyone's like, oh, look at his eyes. Like, I'm going to invest in some sunglasses immediately. I, like, true. That, that's a smart move. That was. I'm, I'm proud of him. Um, so then he evaded capture, uh, and the cash delivery van that they were tailing continued to head toward the drop point, uh, that the, uh, police were tailing, uh, where they were to drop the money in a can under a white piece of cloth. Again, very specific and strange, like, all these things need to happen in a way. Also, the white piece of cloth is like, Mm -hmm. we surrender. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When the delivery van reached the drop point that the police were tailing, the white cloth was there, but the can was missing. Again, there were these opportunities for them to get a, a, a life, kind of a, a payday for life, and there's something missing, and the money isn't dropped off. And uh, as the this is when the police thought that this was uh, the Monster 21 faces just trying to evaluate if the police are of their word or if the company's of their word. And again, they weren't. Again, the, the Monster 21 faces, like, don't bring the cops... You have to come and follow these rules, and they didn't. And the cops yeah. are doing it, so it's just like, nah, I'm not, I'm not gonna get captured. I'm not stupid. Yeah. So on the same day that this operation was going on, uh, a patrol car from a local Shiga prefecture had spotted a station wagon with its engine running and its headlights off. The station wagon was also sitting less than 50 meters from a white cloth suspended from a fence. Unaware of the secret ransom drop, the police officer drove up to the station wagon. Shown his flashlight at the driver, revealing a thin-cheeked man in his 40s wearing a golf cap over his eyes and also having a wireless receiver with headphones. What? Surprised by the policeman, the driver sped off with the police car following the pursuit until the station wagon lost him. This guy is so good at, like, oh my leaving cops in the dust on foot and in car, on train. I need to... Oh, man. I have... I want to tell all book from him. Like, if if you made this movie in America, and you should you, you should make this with all Japanese actors if you were to make and this in a movie. Japan because I need these streets. But like I I I want to see the uh, Japanese equivalent of Jason Statham just outrunning yes. the cops at every possible turn yes. by foot on trains in a car. I believe yeah. the perm could work <laughs> with a perm. I love it. I uh, still think it's a woman in shoulder pads. That's the only person I think could honestly just bypass everybody and not be noticed. Here's my question to you, though. What do you think is with the, the wireless receiver and the headphones? Talking to somebody. Talking to somebody? I'm wondering if he had, like, um, chimed him, like, plugged himself into, like, a, a police frequency. That's what I'm thinking. Ah, yeah. And that way he's, like, hearing, like, hey, there's some car coming up and it looks suspicious. I'm going to check it out. It's like, oh, is that me? No, that's me. So that by the time he heard the knock on the window, he's just like, my foot is already on the pedal and I just uh, move my ankle and goodbye. Bzzip, bzzip, bzzip. I'm out of here. Uh, so the station wagon that they lost, which probably had the fox-eyed man in it, was later found abandoned near the uh, Kusatsu Station and had been discovered to have been stolen earlier in Nagakyoko uh, in the Kyoko Prefecture. Inside the abandoned car was a radio transceiver ah, ah, that had been eavesdropping in on radio communications between police officers of six different prefectures. We were right! Yeah. Kobe, Kyoto, and 
Osaka. Dun, dun, dun. The prefectures of the drop points also were covered with a vacuum cleaner, although no evidence could be traced back to the monster group because he vacuumed all that shit up. Yeah, that's what a vacuum Cover, is Covering his traces. Mm-hmm. Um, following the blackmail ca- campaign on House Foods, the monster then turned its sights on Fujaya in December 1984. Just not quitting. Just like, has like a, like the same way that some people like go down a list of like, oh, I'm going to apply to this company. I'm going to pick up this phone and call oh, this company. I was thinking he's just serial killer. Like I'm going to kill this person and this person. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause I do this podcast. It's like, I'm going to terrorize this food company and this food company. And they know that if they don't keep their shit together and do good work, I'm coming back. And, and I just realized that, like, I was thinking, like, oh, the most profitable companies are just going down the line. If you do this to uh, Glyco, they're no longer the, the, the top dog in the, like, stock market of who is the most successful, profitable food company. Yeah. And so he just goes for the next one. He's, like, trying to bring down the entire candy it's, business. Yeah, well, technically it brings up the candy business because it's more level of a market. Right. But as soon as, like, one of them's like, hey, we're making more money than Glyco. Nope, knock you back down. Oh, we're, we're making more money than Morinaga. Nope, knock you back down. That's so interesting. Yeah. Maybe he really understood economics. Maybe. Uh, or, or just at least the way that these companies were making money by trying to outcompete each other. Yeah. So, uh, following the blackmail campaign on House Foods, which I think is like the fourth or so, fourth or fifth company that Monster uh, has been going after, it now turned to Fujaya in December of that year. So this has all happened between they, December, they between planned. March and December. Yeah, they had to have planned this for a hot man. Uh, and then uh, the next month, January 1985, police released the facial composite of the fox-eyed man. This is what I've been bringing up earlier yeah. with the uh, the sketch, um, uh, in uh, and then so that was January 1985. Fast forward to August 1985. So you, I'm just wondering, like, you release here's what we think the head of this criminal group that has been terrorizing you know the rich of Japan for mm-hmm. half a year, uh, and then n- nothing kind of happens on that case for like seven eight months. So then August. Of 1985, after continue after there's continued harassment from Monster with 21 faces, uh, the Shika Prefecture Police Superintendent killed himself by self-immolation. That is literally the worst thing I can think of. Like, I know, goodness gracious, and and um something. To, oh gosh, uh, what's the name of that movie? Life in Four Parts. Um, there there was a. Give, give me a second to like look this up on my phone. Sorry, Life in Four Chapters. Uh, I, I'm just thinking out loud here. Uh, something that also is in the um, public memory uh, is uh, this. Uh, oh, I, I meant to do this at the start of this. Um, so, <sighs> quick pause. I want to give you all um, Mishima. Uh, th- there is a famous writer uh, in Japan. Uh, last name Mishima, and he it went down in history as the last person to commit seppuku in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was outlawed either before before his time or specifically after that time, mm-hmm. where they they specific and this goes back to in uh, like 1940s uh, when uh, Japan lost World War II and America occupied that country from 45 to 51. They had 
they basically like sat the Japanese government down or who became the Japanese government. And it's like, here's your constitution. Like the United States practically wrote their constitution for them. There were, uh, this is a whole other lovely thing that I don't know if it would be, you know, for this podcast, but Mm -hmm. there are two women in, uh, who were American who helped write that and tried to specifically write into, uh, the code more rights for women that were going on in Japan than even in America. Anywho, um, uh, so it's in living memory that uh, during this time period, well, this came out in 1985. You, uh, and and uh, sorry, let me take a quick step back to just give a a snapshot of Japanese history in the 20th century compared to what we're used to in the West. So, mm-hmm. uh, in 1890s to 1902 uh, was a feudal era in Japan. Like there were. The way that you think of like, oh, samurai stories, like if you're a weeb like me and you're watching uh, samurai era anime, that was going on up until the 1890s, 1900s. And there is uh, Japan suffered a big military and kind of national ego blow by losing the Russo-Japanese war Mm -hmm. and having America step in and negotiate Mm -hmm. and basically say that like, hey, uh, Japan... Since you don't have any kind of like, you know, industrialized military, just give Russia whatever it wants so we don't have like a world war in our hands. Thanks. Mm -hmm. And it was such a, and there is, and I am simplifying a lot, but basically the rest of the Western world had the industrialization age go on for roughly a century. Mm -hmm. And from about 1900 to 1940, Japan industrialized to such a degree like, they didn't have heckin' planes in 1902. They had, you know, people wearing standard feudal dress and lords, and they were had no industrialization whatsoever to the point where they had planes that were rivaling American planes and bombing Pearl Harbor in about 40 years. Mm-hmm. Like, they ratcheted it up so fast, and then uh, after, in, in the 50s, when uh, the United States left... There was just this explosion of culture where, uh, under the fascist regime, it was very uh, tightly monitored by the government what you could do or say, and everyone had to have this very conformist that everything the emperor says and does is right, everything the government says and does is right, and then it was just like democracy in both in terms of thought, in terms of art, in terms of government, and so uh, in terms of food, and so there's just explosion of philosophies of like. Uh, maybe we should try communism. Maybe we should try anarchy. Maybe we should try all these other different crazy things. And um, that's just all uh, in the background to what I was trying to... With the the, the police chief, essentially. Yes. And, and so um, uh, you uh, with the police chief, I wanted to bring up Mishima in, uh, because it was against the law um, to do anything that resembled Think about it, like, your great-grandfather could have been a samurai who committed seppuku. Like, it's in the cultural, almost living memory mm-hmm. uh, that if something horrible uh, takes place, that you should uh, be beheaded or literally, in a ritualistic fashion, cut your stomach and, and fall on your sword mm-hmm. in order to show that you know, I'm, I, will t- I will take the failure on personally so that the entire police force or the entire family is absolved of this embarrassment. And uh, that was against the law, and he was a police officer and a police chief at that, and you didn't want to take that on, uh, 
have his final act be a crime mm-hmm. th- that was outlawed at a national level. So he set himself on fire, which is just bonkers. And also, like, on another, like, could you imagine that happening in the United States where the, I don't know, the folks in San Francisco couldn't cap- capture the Zodiac, so they set themselves on fire? Yeah. Like, I just. It's so ingrained in the, the cultural norm and. Definitely, this person, if it's 1985 now, mm-hmm. let's say he's, what, probably in his 50s. Yeah. So he was born in the 1930s during this, um, like, I would say the quick expansion of industrialization. So he is raised by people who were born in the feudalistic era. He has definitely yep. taught those beliefs, and he's having to constantly juggle the old and the new yep it makes complete sense why it happened but it's very sad that he felt the need to have to absolve those under his command the shame quote unquote of not being able to solve the case yeah this is this is the point at which like this case kind of turns back for me where like where i'm i'm thinking of this more as like I have enjoyed reading about this because it's like, stick it to the man, you have all these rich people, you have all these bureaucrats that are kind of having their asses handed to them and made fun of in the paper, and uh, you're able to, all, the public at large can now have a conversation about, maybe the police might be corrupt, maybe these super rich companies might be corrupt, and, and start having some fact-finding into that, and like have that conversation, and so far it hasn't really had... The only casualties I've seen have been like the employees who had to get fired from these companies, yeah. which also shows their corruption. And and but now that someone like set themselves on fire is like, oh, okay, maybe this is going too far. I just find this no. Well, not only is it a unique situation, like if it were to happen today, that I don't think that would happen, obviously, no. because you're so far disconnected from that initial feudalistic state of mind however so this in my opinion would be one of those like really really unique situations but it does show once one time that i'm actually like very sympathetic to law enforcement in this moment yeah because this this team was really taking this on like we have to solve this yeah and um yeah, just imagine being like a local police chief who's, you know, done the beat and work your way up. And now you are the most famous person in your country. And everyone is asking you, just, you have one job. You have one job. Just solve this impossible case that has never been replicated in the history of our country. Or anywhere. Anywhere. I, don't, I can't think of a case that, like, there are other cases of, like, masked people. We don't know who they were. But, like, this is just, like, next level bonkers. Yeah. And... So what happens after the death of this? Yeah, so uh, we, we are wrapping up and getting to the the, uh, the final message and the aftermath. So this is also where I kind of turn on 21 monsters a bit, or the monster with 21 faces a bit. Cause so five days after this police chief died, August 12th, they send its last letter to the media, to all the newspapers. Yamamoto of Shiga Prefecture Police died. How stupid of him. We've got no friends or secret hiding place in Shiga. It's Yoshina or Shikata who should have died. What have they been doing for as long as one year and five months? Uh, quick out. Uh, it has been one year and five months since all this started. Don't let bad guys like us get away with it. 
there are many more fools who want to copy us. No career Yamamoto died like a man, so we decided to give our condolence. We decided to forget about torturing food-making companies. If anyone blackmails any of the food-making companies, it's not us, but someone copying us. We are bad guys. That means we've got more to do than bullying companies. It's fun to lead a bad man's life. Monster with 21 faces. So they basically were like, trying to be like, oh, we're still bad, but we didn't want that to happen. But it also, it's, it's it, like, how it opened, I was just like, uh, Yamamoto of Shiga Prefecture Police died. How stupid of him. That's, that's rude. Like, they're, they're, actually, they're barely getting their yeah. funeral procession going, and they're they're saying, like, you idiots. Yeah, no, I, I find that to be not only super rude, but to be telling of, like, that's a clue to me. Mm. That it shows the youth of these people. Oh, that they're that disrespectful. Like, why would you do that? That's so dumb. Why did you kill yourself over this? It is also, like, um... Yeah, uh, I don't even know if it's, it's a. It almost kind of flies in the face of tradition to see someone who is your senior, or somebody who is a senior in society who is saying, "I am taking on the brunt of uh, this embarrassment at a national level, and I am taking my life to follow my own sword." Practically, you know, mm-hmm. metaphorically, and to go, "You're stupid" is just like at the height of like impropriety, mm-hmm. um, and then also to say that like. You, you uh, to point out that like most of the crimes weren't even done under his watch. It was done under the police chiefs of other prefectures. And just saying like you shouldn't have killed yourself. It should have been the other guys. Mm-hmm. They screwed up more than you did. Is just like to 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 say that and then turn and go. Well, yeah, but you die like a man. So like props. Bye. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's where I lose. Any yeah. sort of like empathy, like empathy with them, but it, it also kind of th- there's a little bit more for me to read, but like mm-hmm. and, and to tell you all about. But for me, I'm I'm just I'm left with so many questions that like it left the entire country of Japan just running around like chickens with heads cut off, figuring out what are they after. Like I don't think they ever received any money, or if they did no. receive money, it wasn't publicized. Like it, it, the police did, was, weren't involved in it. It may have been like entirely secret going on between yeah an executive but it was not a from a public letter of any kind no it doesn't seem like they got any money at all and that's just being like nuts right yeah Yeah, absolutely nuts um and it also makes you wonder um especially with that point of anything that happens before after this point are a bunch of copycats it kind of calls back to everything that because we never got a really solid, clear look at one person, especially since there were two guys in the very beginning who did the yeah. kidnapping, and it's called the Monster 21 Faces, that, like, are, have we only seen three people and there are, you know, 18 other people involved? Yeah. Um, or, or was that just, like, it's just the one guy and his buddy who helped out that one time? We don't know. And it it just makes me wonder, it could have been... Those two guys at the very beginning had a really catchy name, and then it's just been a bunch of different people the whole time. They're just like, I can put, you know, a little sticker that says cyanide on this company that I hate and say I'm the monster with 21 faces, even though I had nothing to do with that kidnapping. Yeah. Like and a, I get to snicker to myself while reading the newspaper. Like it's all a bunch of Robin Hoods. Yeah. 
Yeah. We're just basically putting on the same mask or the same name. Yeah. That it could have just been like, I don't know, like a an- criminal anonymity gone wild. Bananas. Um, so I'm, I'm going to get to the, the very end of this. Um, yeah, the, that letter that I just read you, after that, the monster with 21 faces was never heard from again. Uh, and in June 1995, the statute of limitations ran out on the assault and kidnapping of Izaki, um, followed by the elapse of the statute of limitations in February 2000 on the charge of attempted murder for the poison food products. So if anyone involved with the monster 21 faces from uh, 95 to 2000... Write your If I Did It book. R- right. And they kind of didn't. Why no not? one came forward and said, hey, you can't, you can't, uh, here's what really happened. Here's what really went down. Here's what we're about. Here's our manifesto. Never came out. I'm so upset. Uh, but the last thing I'm going to tell you is about the prime suspect. Uh, so we heard about the, the fox-eyed man mm-hmm. and the, the man of mystery. Um, so following the, re- uh, the release of the, uh, the sketch uh, that was in January 1985 that, you know, nothing happened it seemed like for about eight months, uh, the Tokyo Metropolitan Police quickly identified a culprit, actually, in that time, of a man known as Manubu Miyazaki. Labeled as Mr. M or Material Witness M, Miyazaki was suspected of issuing a 1976 tape declaring support of a local union in a labor dispute with Glyco. Oh, we're getting, we're getting into some, mm. some, uh, some motive uh, that bore similarities to the numerous declarations of the Monster 21 Faces. There had been numerous whistleblowing incidents between 1975 and 1976 that were also attributed to Miyazaki, which highlighted Glyco's dumping of starches and other industrial waste into the local river and drainage system. And so that's the thing that I've been wanting to get at the whole time that I think what Monster 21 Faces was trying to point out of like continuing to extort all these big food companies and not taking the money kind of makes and having that thing uh, money is irrelevant. Be quiet. Money is irrelevant. At the very beginning, just makes you think: What the heck do they want? Why are they going to the newspapers? Why are they trying to highlight these companies in a way that makes them look bad? Yeah, because the police didn't seem to look into the company to be like, okay, then why are you being targeted? Right. And that because that's a lot of times what. Obviously, I know more about the American judicial system than I do the Japanese. I am an American. Um, gotta know your rights uh, yep. in whatever country you're in. So correct me if I'm wrong, any Japanese listeners. Um, but I don't know if Japanese police, when investigating something like this, do they assess, or is it something now that they do, assess why is someone targeted? Did they look into any of these companies and like consider their practices, consider any of those things, because that could be what they were trying to do. Like, Glyco should have been investigated. What are your practices? What are you like? Who are your enemies? What is the problem? You know. And and they didn't. They they were not really looking into corruption that in we these know companies. Of. Yeah. Or with or dangerous habits or dumping and blah blah blah, because that would be a great place to start. And, and here are other reasons why. And, and I feel like all of these things that they're listing is like, and this is why Miyazaki was considered a person of interest. Like, these are all reasons why Glyco is a corporation of interest. Yeah. Uh, Miyazaki also suspected to have been involved with the resignation of a union leader over accounting irregularities when Glyco Ham and Glyco Nutritional Foods merged. So he, he kind of helped, told the union leader to resign or made him resign because he pointed out that they were 
basically fudging the books over a merger, and he's the person of interest? That that kind of stuff. Uh, in addition, this feels like uh, burying the lead a little bit, his father was the boss of a local Yakuza group. I mean, lead with that. Lead with that. Yeah. And, and something just in terms of, like, uh, for American or Western listeners... Um, when we think Yakuza, we think, oh, yeah, it's the, the, the Japanese mafia. Like, just in terms Wait, of... is it Yakuza or Yakuza? I always end up pronouncing it wrong. Whichever way is right, I'm I thought wrong. it was Yakuza. It's probably I... Yakuza. I was like... I'm not Yakuza call... is the American way of saying it. No, Sorry. I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just making sure that I am interpreting the correct item. You are. You are. It could be one of two ways. Tell us which one is wrong, and Please. just make sure that whichever one is uh, correct, it's Nate anyway. Correct, correct. So, uh, this Japanese organized crime family, we like to think, in, when we try and put it into our brains as Americans, we go like, oh, like maybe like an Irish mob or, or Al Capone uh, or Al Capone. You know, uh, people who started to become, you know, rum runners in the early 1900s and uh, now have a little bit of criminal empire. You, this practice of organized crime in Japan goes back longer than the United, the history of the United States. Like these it are is so fascinating. Highly recommend reading into it because it is beyond fascinating. Like how family, mm-hmm. how loyalty works. It is mm-hmm. nothing like any sort of American equivalent. It is, uh, and and it, like. And the, the the way that it's almost like miniature underground royal families that are just like passing is. down like the heir to their throne of like this is our corner of Japan and we run all of these illicit businesses and we have worked out something and this is why like um, I'm I'm probably gonna get comments and I hope I don't um, uh, but that uh, that I I think. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Maybe we can edit that out. Nope, keeping it in. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, okay, so go, going on, uh, Fox-Eyed Man. So uh, he has all of these histories of pointing out corruption in Glyco. He's got a... Um, uh, his father is uh, the head of a local uh, Japanese organized crime group. And Miyazaki himself bore a striking resemblance to the Fox-Eyed Man. I mean, it means he's got great eyes. Yeah. So speculation had gone on uh, for months that it w- that this was their guy, that they were going to arrest this guy, and that was going to solve the case, until the Tokyo Metropolitan Police checked his alibis and cleared him of any wrongdoing. Yeah, just because you look shifty doesn't mean you did something wrong. Right. And um, but like there there are so many theories that you can run off in this point of just like just because he looks shifty, just because he has does he have a brother ties to. Like, I'm just saying, what if it was his brother? Um, and, uh, but but that, like, you could go in either way on the the conspiracy train of, like, is this, just because this guy has said things he doesn't like about Glyco, just because he said things, uh, he has ties to, uh, local organized crime, that doesn't mean that he's the guy. At Mm -hmm. the same time, if he's got alibis... Well, Maybe all of his ties to local crime just said, yeah, yeah, I was there. I was there. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, he was playing with us. Yeah. Like, you never know. You never know. Um, and he, here's the thing that's uh, bonkers about it is that all the nor- notoriety surrounding him led him to become a social commentator, and then he wrote a book about his experiences throughout this year. So he made money off of this. So let's say that even this guy was 21 
the Monster with 21 faces and, and never it. And, and he never collected any money from any of these companies. He then built a career off of, yeah, they think it's me, but it's not me. And I'm going to do social commenting. I'm going to write a book about it. I'm going to roll in these residuals. <laughs> you know what I think the funniest bit about it is? Is like, 10 bucks, it's not him, right? Mm-hmm. But he's like, they did help with what I was trying to do. So... It's not me, but if it was, I wrote my If I Did It book. (laughs) Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. I am super, super happy about that. Only because it's funny. Uh, another reason why they uh, he was suspected is that the uh, the Tokyo Metropolitan Police noticed that that final letter saying that we're we're no longer going to be uh, bullying candy companies suspiciously happened right around the time as a war between two rival uh, factions of uh, Japanese organized crime families stopped. I think it suspiciously happened around the time that someone got murdered mm. by themselves. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they set themselves on fire, which is self murder. So you're you're suspecting the the, 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 the chief of police was behind it. From no, the beginning? no, I'm saying that they had empathy for a moment, oh. and they were like, "Okay, we gotta stop." Because now someone actually got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not just. It's not just making having a laugh in in the newspaper at all at these corrupt well, companies. It's not just stopping the corrupt companies in their tracks. It's now we cause somebody to take their own life. Yeah. And we don't want to do that anymore. That's not our. That's not our gig. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a movie that is popping to my head right now um, is uh, a Kurosawa movie, um, which of course I'm blinking on the name of. Uh, but it, it's his version of Macbeth. But instead of doing it in the samurai period like Kurosawa loved to do, it's set in at that time present day, and it's about the corruption at a large company. That sounds and, so good. And uh, and I forget if it's, it's is it a mix of Macbeth or is it a mix of Hamlet? I think it's a mix of both. Wait, is um, it the one? Is it American? No, it, it, it's Japanese. Movie okay, from, I was gonna say I the, think it's from the '60s. The one in the the big company that's the Bill Murray one. Mm. Um, that's why I was like, are you confusing that with? Because uh, that one's Hamlet. Um, but I I know it's about it's about someone who, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting his lead actor's name and you're all screaming at me through the internet right now because he's one of the hottest men to ever grace cinema. But it's about a man who is trying to get his revenge because his father was much like this uh, police chief basically uh, committed suicide in order to remove doubt from corruption that was very clearly going on in the company and... He is, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's a Hamlet adaptation. Now that I'm thinking of it, and he's trying to. Sixties. Uh, oh, I do love that one. We are literally pulling up IMDb to try and tell you in real time which one you it is. You said it was from the sixties. Uh, oh gosh. Uh, sorry, folks. Hold. Hold. What's upsetting me is I just made like a whole list of films I'm about to watch again. Is it high? Oh, wait. <laughs> you know, I can. I think it's high and low. Yes, with Tashiro Mifune. Tashiro Mifune. Oh, yeah. He is so hot. So fine. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely high and low, which is. Oh, he's so good. 
If you don't know Toshiro Mifume, he was in Throne of Blood, which is so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Yojimbo. And Yojimbo and Seven Samurai. And uh, and and it's it's a very different thing for him because he usually, in a lot of other Kurosawa's yeah. movies, played these very loud, brash characters that sometimes didn't wear shirts or very, you know... He shouldn't wear shirts. ...revealing, and he is... I mean, in the exact opposite mode, he it's almost like a, a as close as you get for Kurosawa doing a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy kind of thing. Yeah. Where Toshiro Mifune is pretending to just be a mild-mannered accountant, and he is slowly playing like a game of cards, setting people up to expose their corruption, the same corruption that his father basically committed suicide to try and cover up at this at this company right right and so that's that's another thing that is in the living memory uh of japan of that there's a lot of uh corruption going on in these big companies that are making a lot of money for the country that is just going by the side but does have some uh some collateral on the side like this like this police chief who who burned himself alive right because it's um it came out in 1973 but it was big in the u.s it actually had um a nomination for a golden globe as a best foreign film so so that's 11 years before this case started yeah and so it making its way to the u.s means that it was a huge film in japan to be put up for nomination oh Um, shoot um when did we mention Mainichi earlier? I'm, I'm noticing that it won Best Film at the Mainichi Film Concourse in 1964. And Best Screenplay. Um, and I feel like that was... 19, uh, 1964. So 20 years before this all started. Oh, gosh. 20 years. Yes. I, or 60. Yeah, 64. I know I, I, I mentioned that location at some point in this episode. Feel free to chime in and tell us in the comments however you wish. They go, it was this part. Uh, but, but if I, you haven't seen the film, please watch it and then tell yeah. us what you think. Um, I'm probably going to rewatch it. And now I just saw a preview or like a, an ad for Henry Golding and Snake Eyes. And I yes. will be uh, watching that also. Yes, please. If anyone wants to know what's on my list. But super excited about High and Low because I thought I knew on my Kurosawa and I... Whoops. So, uh... Yeah, that's, a, that's what I think we got for you. That's all he wrote. Yep. Yep. And yeah. thanks for sharing that with me, Nate. Sure, yeah, that's that's Who knew Willy Wonka could be so fascinating? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh I think it's an inside job. Oh, and uh, another uh theory that I came across, I, I promise I'm done at this point. He's not. Is is that uh about thirty years ago, uh these two companies, Glyco and Morinaga, uh had um settlements with uh like large class settlements with uh families across the country because they found um contaminants in milk uh powdered milk powdered milk or milk that was specifically aimed at children oh formula formula um that uh that ended up causing multiple infant deaths across the country and an injury and and, and, and injuries and uh they were paid out but some of the kids who grew up um still had like lifelong diseases at because of those contaminants that they basically you know formed their infant bodies um and so one of the presiding uh conspiracy theories which i wholeheartedly agree is that whoever whether it was uh this you know material witness m or whether it was someone else entirely could have been one of those kids 
who got a settlement, like family got a that, check. They would have been the right age. Yes, yeah, they would have been like 30-something years later yeah. from uh, that corruption case, and that was it. They just, they just cut a check and said, yeah, you, you should be able to live on this, even though like your life is now trash trash because you you have this disease that'll follow you for the rest of your life and then yeah the empathy of the police officer being the one to Mm. take his own life would make sense because yeah that yeah that's hard that's hard to handle so that's that's all i got that's all we got well you know what thank you nate for coming on this week sure I hope that, well, next week we will see you again because I've got a wild and crazy tale to tell you that I was working on at the same time that you were working on this one. And we're going to go high and low on the emotional roller coaster. But you know what? We will see you guys next week. I am your host, as always, Elizabeth Fury. And this was Nate Ruger. Nate Ruger. If you want to hear more shenanigans from me, I'm at Nate Ruger on Twitter and at Nate Ruger makes movies on Instagram. And often on my Twitter feed, posting yes. memes. Yes. Um, like how I almost drove into a fire and started going off to make movies. True. Um, True. I was there for that. That was fun. Yeah. We almost, fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost drove into a fire. Whatever. It's fine. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next week. And please follow us on Twitter or Instagram at T-A-L-K-A-B-T-F-A-C-T-S. I know I'm horrible about updating, but you know what? I'm going to do my best. I will be better. I will post something. Maybe. Maybe. Perhaps. Mayhaps. Maybe Willy Wonka related. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and please find our Patreon if you loved us. Feel free to subscribe to our Patreon, and help us keep the lights on. See you next week.